We are on Ksubis, the bottom of Nenbez Amabez 52b, as we are continuing with our discussion about uh, the Ksuba, and specifically the Nedunya. We've been discussing the importance of a father to, uh, to set aside uh, money, uh, to give as a gift to his daughter so that she brings it into her marriage, so that uh, it's uh, beneficial for her and for her marriage, so that she's bringing in money into the marriage. And we mentioned that was the whole reason why they established the concept of the Iksubas Ban and Dichrin. That's why they established the concept that if, let's say, uh, if the marriage ends either through divorce or if the husband dies, so then she receives her Iksuba. Uh, however, if she passes away first, then she doesn't receive her Iksuba, but they established that um, her children, her children from her marriage, will, when the father slash husband passes away, so they will receive that ksuba amount above and beyond, sort of separated from the regular laws of Yerusha, of inheritance. Let's say there's other siblings um, uh, that are from a, from a different uh, mother. Uh, so they receive that ksuba, not just the ksuba, but also the nidunya, the various gifts uh, that their essentially their grandfather, their mother's father, gave to his daughter to, uh, to bring into the marriage. So we see that this is of great value. And we even quoted a pasuk a verse from Yirmiyahu uh, to, uh, to prove how this is a great value. So on that note, the Gemara has the following uh, interesting story. The Gemara says as follows, Rav Papa Yasek Lebrei Be'Abu Surah. Rav Papa uh, married off his son to uh, the house of Abu Surah. Now this is interesting because uh, Rashi points this out that Rav Papa himself, the father, uh, in fact married himself, married the daughter of Abu Surah, and essentially what he's doing is that he's marrying his he's marrying off his son to his wife's sister, uh, to his sister-in-law. Uh, just parenthetically, we don't have time to get into this, but essentially what's happening here is that a father and son are marrying two sisters. Um, there has been a tradition from Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid. There was a tradition about uh, he had various uh, um, uh, customs that he mentioned to his family and his ethical will about different things that a person should do, should not do. Um, some of them might be familiar, like uh, not marrying somebody with the same uh, name as, let's say, your mother, or she shouldn't marry somebody with the same name as her father. Uh, that comes from him. So in addition to that, he also says that uh, father and son shouldn't marry two sisters. And what we see from this Gemara that uh, they did do that. They did marry, a father and son did marry two sisters, and so, which is why some of the commentators want to say that he wasn't saying this as a rule uh, for all of uh, the entire Jewish people, but he was really just passing it down to his own family. It was really just his family, but he wasn't trying to say that this is a rule that everybody has to follow. He's clearly, uh, he clearly knows that the Gemara says otherwise. Anyways, in this case, we have two brothers who are married, sorry, a father and son who are getting married to two sisters. So Papa is marrying off his, his son to his sister-in-law. And what does he do? Uh, he wants to approach Abba Surah, the, uh, his sister-in-law's father, his father-in-law also, uh, who will be marrying off his daughter to Rapapa's son, to get the Nidunya. He wants, he's trying to convince him to give gifts to his daughter so that uh, they'll be brought into the marriage with his son. So he's going to his father-in-law, who will also be his son's father-in-law, <laughs> to, uh, to get gifts for that wedding. So, Shami Yehuda Bar Marimar, Nafak Asa Ischazilei, Kimatapascha Havakam Mifter Minei. 
So his friend, uh, Yehuda Bar-Maremar, uh, finds out about this, and he's walking with Repuppa as Repuppa is going, approaching uh, this future father-in-law of the son to convince him to give an dunya, to give these gifts to his daughter. And he stops. Mar, uh, Yehuda Bar-Maremar stops by the door, and he leaves. Before, he, before they go in, he leaves. So Repuppa is surprised by this. Amr Neil Mar Bahadai. Uh, why don't you come in? Uh, and Repuppa noticed that uh, Yehuda Bar-Marimar does not want to come inside. He doesn't want to come inside. We're moving on to Nugimel Manal 53a. So Repuppa says, Why are you hesitant? Why, why do you think that, basically, why do you think that what I'm doing is the wrong thing to do? Is it because Misham Da'am Relay Shemuel, the Rav Yehuda Shin, and Allah to have a Bavuriach Santa, Afilim Rav Bisha, Lebra Tova, Deloyedana Maizar, Dinafik Minayi Koshigain, Mibra Lebrasa, he says, maybe you're thinking as follows, that uh, there's a concept. Uh, in fact, it might even be a prohibition, but there's a concept that uh, a person uh, has to follow the laws of inheritance, and therefore he has to give gifts only to his sons, uh, and that a person shouldn't transfer, even seemingly even when he's alive, before he passes away. This is not in his will. This is uh, even when he's alive. He shouldn't transfer his possessions, the, the Gemara says, from let's say, a bad son to a good son, and uh, also from a son to a daughter. Maybe you're concerned about this, because as we mentioned in the last class, uh, you're basically going against the value of the Torah. The value of the Torah is that the sons should inherit, not the daughters. And maybe you're concerned that the, do- the daughters uh, shouldn't receive this, that, that uh, what I'm doing is wrong. To convince uh, Abu Surah that he should give a gift to, to his daughter uh, goes against uh, the Torah value, which says that we should leave things the way the Torah wants them to be. To, to be. Um, and maybe that's why you're you're hesitant to go inside. Uh, so, so um, your papa says, but that's not true. Well, you, your your line of reasoning is false. Uh, that this is a it, it's false and it's wrong because we mentioned in the last class this is a rabbinic decree and it's not against the values of the Torah. It is in line with the values of the Torah. Why? Because the Torah says that a father should prepare and make sure that his daughter. Uh, is able to get married, and that includes giving her gifts to bring into the marriage. Uh, so he was basically telling uh, Yehuda Bar Marimar that it's not true; that really what I'm doing is the right thing to do. So why are you hesitant to come inside with me? So Amar Le Yehuda Bar Marimar says back, "Yeah, you're right. Hani milumidaite nami. You're right that if the father-in-law wants the the father of the girl wants to give gifts, so then he could do it out of his own will. But to force him to do it, to go to his house to force him to do it, that you're not allowed to do. You can't force him to do it." So Amar Lei, Repuppa says back, So Repuppa says back, I never asked you to force him. I'm not going to force him. I'm going to have a discussion with him. I'm not going to force, I'm not going to force him to give gifts to his daughter. So here, fascinating, Yehuda Bar Marimur says as follows. He says, Amar Lei, Mali Didi Hainu Asiya. He says, me going inside because of my stature, because of how people view me. Me, Yehuda Bar Marimur going inside is like forcing him. He'll have no other choice. He, he sees me, he sees me being involved in this conversation, and he's going to feel like he has to. He has no, he has, out uh, of respect for me, he's going to do it. So I shouldn't go inside. Nevertheless, Papa basically pushes him inside, but he remains quiet the whole time. The whole time, you hear Barmarim Marim remains quiet, Vyasev, Savrahu Mirsach Rasach, Chasvil Chomai Dehavale. Basically, uh, Abba Surah sees that he's very quiet the whole time and he's misreading uh, the reason why he's quiet. Uh, he thought that the reason why he's quiet, the reason why uh, Yehuda Bar Marimar is quiet is because 
he's upset with uh, with Abasara. He's upset with uh, how much he's giving. In the end, he gives everything. He gives everything. Everything he has, he gives to his daughter because uh, Yudah Bar-Marimur keeps quiet, keeps quiet, keeps quiet. I have to give more. Gives more, gives more, gives more, gives everything he has. He says, in the end, uh, Abba Sarah says to, to, uh, to Yudah Bar-Marimur, he still kept quiet. He says, why are you still keeping quiet? What, what are you upset about with what I did? I gave everything that I have. Everything that I have, what, 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 could, what more could I do? So now he finally talks up. I'm really he finally talks up, talks up and he says, He says, No, you misread me. I, I didn't say anything because I don't want to force you into anything. But for, according to the way I feel, uh, none of what you gave you, sh- you should have given. You're only giving it because of me. You shouldn't, you shouldn't give anything. So, uh, so Abu Surah says back, So let me go back on it now. I, I said it as words. Uh, but maybe I could, maybe I could back out of it. I made a promise. Maybe I could back out of it. So Amr Lay, he says, no. He says, no, we don't want to, we can't back out now. You're going to get a reputation as somebody who backs out of deals. Uh, we don't want that to happen. You promised it, you promised it, and that's what's going to be. And you could give these gifts. Fascinating Gemara on many levels. Uh, number one is that, uh, a person makes this promise with, just with words alone. With words alone. Um, uh, we, we don't want him to back out of it. That's one uh, concept that comes out of this. Another concept that comes out of this is how do we interpret uh, silence? We know that there's a halakhi concept of shtika koda. That when a person is silent, it's like they're admitting to it. They're agreeing. Over here, that's clearly not the case. It's all, uh, you have to know the context. Here, he was silent because he didn't want to get involved. He didn't want to force him to do anything. Uh, but another aspect of this gemara is also this concept that, uh, interesting concept that uh, even when a person's alive, they shouldn't give away their money and their possessions uh, to the wrong, uh, to the wrong people who are in line to receive the Yerusha, the inheritance, and that if uh, the boys are supposed to receive the inheritance, so then we have to be hesitant. Yes, for nadunya, for gifts, for the wedding, it's allowed. But other than that, we have to be hesitant to give it to the to the girls, and also the Gemara says to give it from what's referred to as quote unquote a bad child to then give it to a good child. That also we do not want to do. Now, there's a lot written on this uh, topic. Um, they ask about uh, different. Ki- Different cases in the Torah itself. Let's say by Yishmael, is it really true that we uh, can't give everything to the to the good child? So maybe there's a difference between somebody who has completely rebelled against his parents, against the Torah. He is uh, totally rebelling. So then maybe there's room to say that uh, uh, you could you could give all of your all of your possessions to the other child, and not to, not to the child who is uh, in complete rebellion. Um, there's also a, dis- a discussion. They say that as long as uh, some of the opinions say that as long as uh, you give something to um, to all the children that are deserving of it to, to the next in line, as long as you give something, so then that would suffice. And you could give other parts of it. Uh, you could give the majority of your possessions to to one particular person while you are alive. So that as long as when you when the when the when the parent passes away, so then. Everybody receives something on a biblical level, something that of of, of significant value on a biblical level. Um, so then that would work, uh, so that something's left over. But you could give uh, while a person's alive. I'm not talking about a will, although there is a there is a way to to make a will so that the the, the gifts are given before one passes away, right before one passes away. But one, you have to leave over some amount so that uh, all of the siblings or the next in line would be able to split it the way the Torah wants. Uh, the Yerusha, the inheritance to work. Okay, those are some of the topics from this uh, fascinating story.
The Gemara now sort of shifts gears. We're shifting gears in the Gemara and discussing a new topic. Uh, this new topic, just to give a brief introduction, is uh, about uh, selling the ksuba. We know that, let's start off with the basics, uh, when a couple gets married, so they write the ksuba, the husband essentially obligates himself to pay the ksuba amount, 100 or 200, um, to his wife when the marriage ends. When, when, when does that occur? Not in all cases, um, but let's say when the husband passes away first or when they get divorced, so then she receives her ksuba. However, um, if she passes away first, so then she does not receive her ksuba. So it's basically not, it's not 100% certain. There's a risk factor involved that she'll only receive her ksuba if the husband passes away first or they get divorced, but not if she passes away first. However, now that we have this uh, sort of this rabbinic decree of ksuba's ban and dichren, uh, this concept that if she passes away first, there still is the giving of the ksuba. Not to her, but when her husband passes away, then it's given to her children. So the ksuba would be given to her children. So it is sort of 100%, if, in a certain way. It's 100%, not now 100% to her, but based on this rabbinic decree, it's, it's 100% because it eventually will go to her kids after her husband passes away. So our Gemara will be discussing a concept of either she has the right to sell her ksuba, the rights that she has to the ksuba while she's married. She could sell her ksuba, let's say to a third party, to somebody else, even perhaps to her own husband. Uh, basically, how do, what does it mean to sell the ksuba? It means that, let's say, she sells her ksuba. The ksuba that she's supposed to receive is 200. Uh, she sells her ksuba to some third party. She's not going to sell for 200 because nobody's going to pay 200 to get 200 later. But a person will pay significantly less than that. Whatever it is, 150, let's say 150, because there's also a risk factor. Because she's not, and basically she's receiving 150 for what? So that if her husband passes away first, or if they get divorced, she's taking a, the, the third party is taking a chance, then they'll receive 200 later. So they're paying 150, let's say, to receive 200 later. But it's possible that they won't receive 200 at all. Because if she passes away first, so then they don't get anything. So there's a, there's a risk involved in this sort of deal. But she can make this deal, or let's say it's a case where she's mochelas. She forgoes the entire ksuba amount. She says, I don't need you to pay me. I don't, I don't want payment. Now, it's interesting because we know that there's a concept that a couple ha- must have a ksuba. They must have a ksuba. It, it is not allowed without it. Uh, a couple, they're not allowed to have sexual relations without a ksuba. They need to have a ksuba. So how could she? Uh, and part of the reason is because uh, the ksuba is sort of uh, allows the, the marriage to continue to exist without it being, um, uh, without it, without it uh, being easy to get divorced. So there's a concept of shelote kalabinavlotzia. We want to make sure that we have a marriage here where there's uh, one thinks twice before getting divorced because if once they get divorced, so then he has to pay. Uh, so we want to make sure that uh, there's the ability to um, uh, uh, to to have this marriage last. Now, so how could she sell the ksuba or uh, forego the bimocheles and say, you don't have to pay me, but we need this. This sort of uh, helps keep the marriage strong uh, by having the ksuba because it's harder to get divorced. And we, we, we don't want it to be that it's so easy. Uh, so how could they have this? So the, the commentators address that. So some of them say, yeah, it's, it's really not allowed, but if once they did it, we were going to have the following question, which we haven't asked yet. Uh, this is all part of the introduction, but... Um, uh, some others say that we're talking about a case where uh, they're very old or they're very sick, and so therefore 
Uh, one of them is going to pass away pretty soon, and they're not, they will not be having sexual relations. But it, it's something which has to be dealt with. That, that question has to be dealt with. Um, so Gemara wants to know, if she's selling it or if she's foregoing her ksuba, does that also include the ksuba's bun and Does that We know that includes when, when uh, she receives the ksuba, she's giving away or she's uh, foregoing, uh, receiving her, her ksuba, meaning um, uh, when, the fa- when the husband passes away first or when they get divorced, she's basically saying, I don't have to get paid. Uh, but that does, does that also include the case when she says this? Does that also include a case where, let's say, she passes away first that the children will not receive it? Does she even have the right to do that? Is it even within her jurisdiction? Maybe it's not even hers. Maybe it really belongs to her children. So maybe she doesn't have the right to do that. So that's, that's the open question of the Gemara. When she sells the Ksuba, is it also including the Ksuba's Ben and uh, the 200 that the children receive, if she, if she were to pass away first? Um, it would be difficult to say that, just if you think about it, uh, because then there's no longer a risk factor, right? It's uh, no matter what the situation is, so then that third party would automatically receive the Ksuba. Because if he passes away first or if they get divorced, so then certainly they receive the ksuba. But even if she passes away first, if she's also selling the children's rights to the ksuba, so then in the end of the day, they will receive uh, the ksuba. Um, so it, w- it would make it difficult. Perhaps they're paying a little bit more for that. Uh, but that's the ultimate question of the Gemara. When she sells the ksuba, does that include the ksuba's benedichon or not? Uh, this uh, the the ksuba mount that the children receive when the father passes away after the mother. So Amalei Rav to Baylach Mochelas. Why are you only asking? Rav asks says why are you only asking about uh, this is how someone read this Gemara? Why why are you only asking about uh, selling? Why don't you also ask about a case where she's forgoing the entire ksuba? Does that also mean that she has the right? It's under her jurisdiction and she has intention to also say that her children will not receive the ksuba. So he responds back, So he responds by saying, no, when, I, when she's selling the ksuba, when would she sell the ksuba? She has to be, the husband always has to provide for her. So what's the situation where she needs more and uh, she's selling her ksuba? So the case must be a case where she's really stuck and she has no money. And so she's doing it because she needs money. So that's why I'm discussing the case where she's selling it. When she, if she just forgoes it, she's mochelas. If she forgoes it, that, it's not really to her. She's not benefiting out of that directly. Uh, but when she's selling it, so she's getting cash. She's receiving money right away. Uh, so maybe she's receiving money away and she's forced into it. So maybe she's only she'll, she's not giving everything. She doesn't want to give everything. She only wants to give uh, what's necessary to make this sale. But she's not going to give away her children's rights to the ksuba. So at the end of the day, Amarava Pshitali, Rava says... I have the following answers. It's clear to me. My time is Suwa. If she sells the ksuba to others, so then she's holding back. She's keeping the ksuba's ban and The children will be able to receive the ksuba if she passes away first and then the husband. Also, if she's mocheles, she just forgoes the ksuba and says, you don't have to pay me the ksuba to her own husband, so then that's everything. And therefore, she loses out, or her children lose out on the ksubas ban and right? My time, ma'achuli She's forgoing it by Rava. The big question, though, is mocheres ksubas labayla kumocheres lacherim dummy or kumocheles labayla dummy. When she sells the ksuba, not to a third party, it could be a situation where she sells the ksuba to her own husband. Her husband pays for the ksuba, essentially pays to say, "I will not pay you later." 
So then that might be viewed as, what's that viewed as? Is that like selling it to a third party? Maybe it's viewed like she's foregoing. She's getting paid to forgo the entire ksuba, which might include uh, the ksuba's banadichran. But in the end of the day, the Gemara says that when she sells the ksuba, the rights of the ksuba to her husband, basically the husband's paying right now so that he wouldn't have to pay more later, so then it's equivalent to selling it to a third party, and it does not include, the sale does not include the ksuba's banadichran, and the children would receive, in fact, the ksuba if, uh, if she passes away first and then the husband passes away. Um, let's just read one more line because there's, there's a few more, just a few more lines that are connected to this. We have the following question. Thigmar asks the following question. It says, we have a case. This is really a case of Yavamos. So the end of Yavamos. Let's say there's a witness. One witness. We're leaning for one witness. Says that a, a woman's husband passed away. And so then she has to do a proper investigation to make sure that this is true. But she's trusted on her own because of the various ramifications. So we say, let's say she marries somebody else. And then her husband reappears. He, he, didn't, he didn't die. So there are many, many laws with regards to this and many fines. And uh, as a result of this, of this situation, she basically married somebody else while she was originally married to her husband because her husband didn't die. So one of the rules is that neither, neither of the kids are able to receive exubus ban and dichren. And the wants to know, why not? What did they do wrong? Uh, she was sort of forced into this in the sense that she wanted to get married. Uh, so what, what are they, why, why should the children suffer as a result of this? To this, the Gemara answers what we mentioned before. You're right. The children shouldn't suffer because of this. Uh, but this is part of the fines. This is part of the uh, penalization that we bring on to her. Uh, she should have checked into the matter more. She should have investigated more. In general, we rely on two witnesses. Now we're relying on one witness uh, because of this leniency. Uh, and this leniency is only exists because of the various fines that we put into place in a situation where the father does return, we want to make sure that uh, she thinks about this twice and more than twice. Uh, so this is really just a, a fine that we place. It's a, a fine that we place upon her, but it really ends up impacting the children, which is interesting. Uh, but we say that the children won't receive the ksuba in such a scenario. Okay, we will continue uh, this com- this uh, discussion in the next class.